Well, good evening. Got a few different churches present tonight, correct? I recognize the pastors, most of them. And then I recognize the the loud ones from those churches. So (laughs) I am kidding. Open your Bibles up if you'd be willing to the book of James. And uh, kind of introduced this this morning. We've been studying the last seven or eight months seriously in the last year, kind of becoming familiar with James, <clears throat> which is, of course, a new study for us. But really feel like, um, as honest as I can be with you, that uh, the Lord just led us here, and it's a tremendous, tremendous book. Let me share it with you this evening. We're going to be moving into the second main uh, section of the book. We have an introduction, which is basically the first verse. And we've kind of looked at that as a section in and of itself where James presents this, the idea of a perfect person, which is the servant. But then you move into verses two through 18 and you've got this whole perfect work that he's talking about. Uh, and he discusses trials and wisdom and temptation and and uh, the kind of resource that is available to us as believers. And we, you culminate, he culminates that whole section with verses 16 through 18, which is what we looked at this morning, um, this climactic statement where he tells the global church of his day, listen, don't get distracted. And one of the things we find interesting with James, and I found just really significant, is, a, is it's just, it, it's almost like 20 years when this letter was written after the death of Jesus. I mean, the early church is brand new. You don't even have Paul that's come yet. And the whole Gentile push. Basically, Christians are those who are still, uh, you know, in, in Israel primarily. They are, they are going to the synagogue. They're, they're Jews that believe the Messiah has come. And James is writing to them. And they've, they've been distracted. They've become complacent. And, and James is urging them to embrace the mission uh, that, that we're called to embrace. That Christianity isn't just about, you know, being a good, moral uh, kind of individual, which that's a part of it. But it's, it's not just seeing the way he sees and feeling the way he feels, but it's being caught up in what he's caught up in. Amen. And I've been really intrigued with that in, in recent years that... Um, when you go and look at the judgment scene and Jesus talks to his disciples about this uh, all over the place. And he says, I'm telling you, this is what the, the day of judgment is going to be like. There's going to be a whole group of people that say to me, Lord, Lord. Okay. Now you understand the Lord is not going to, or, or the world is not going to look to him and say, Lord, Lord, we're the ones that are going to look at him and say, Lord, Lord. Okay. So he's talking about people that go to church, religious individuals, not bad, not serial killer, okay, good people that have beards, okay, that's, those are the people we're talking about, okay, and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, I did this, I preached, I prophesied, I healed, came to church on Sunday, didn't lie, didn't steal, didn't murder people, hey, didn't do drugs, and he's going to say, I just didn't know you. That what I gave my life to, listen, to what I gave my life to, you didn't give your life to that. That's the sheep and goats passage. The goats weren't serial killers, okay? They weren't bad people. But what Jesus was into, they weren't into. See, how he felt, they didn't feel. The way he looked at your neighbor, they didn't look at your neighbor that way. And so James is calling the church of his day back, and he's saying, listen, don't get distracted. Because what we find, and again, obviously, this is not your churches, just all those other churches in the world. I consistently hear from people who go to church every week 
about how they're missing and they're not a part here and they're not a part of the church there and they're not participating in this here and they, well, they missed the last three or four weeks here. But then they always kind of follow that up with, but I haven't been doing anything bad. Okay? Which I agree. Okay? But see, honestly, how do you interpret bad? There's a whole nother standard that you and I are called to. And again, that's James language. So verses 16 through 18, if you're interested in that, you can go and visit our website. And we've got all this stuff there. I want to look with you this evening into the, the third section uh, of, his, of his book, which is the third section also in this first chapter. And it's the pure word section. And he transitions from verses 2 through 18 into this section on the scripture. Okay. And there is this, this real emphasis, especially in verses 19 through 21. This is huge. Listen to this. In verses 19 through 21, where he hasn't taken the law, okay? And you understand what James is preaching out of is the Old Covenant Scriptures, okay? It's the Old Testament, and which is the same. And this really has to be interesting as a brand new Christian. I wonder what it was like for them after Pentecost when you have spirit-filled believers that are Jews who go back to their town and on Saturday, which is our Sunday, go to their synagogue and they hear the word preached and it's the law. But see, it's no longer what I have to do. That What they're hearing preach, preached is they're seeing the kind of person that they are in Christ. Amen. That that's the, kind of, that's the kind of work that the Holy Spirit is doing in them. So, as, and James is really strong on this, that the law is not gone, okay? You don't have to tear the Ten Commandments down. Now, they're not a list of do's, so you, don't, you can't say, well, I've got to do these things so that I can be a Christian. No, it's when you get in the Scriptures, you're seeing the kind of person that God's called you to be. You can feel this way, okay? You can hunger like this. And so he walks, then, he walks all the way into that. Now, I want to look with you tonight and tomorrow night. Now, Tuesday night's Cowboy Church, right? Okay. Tonight and tomorrow night. We're going to be here tomorrow night, right? Okay. <laughs> 7 o'clock, right? Okay, gotcha. I want to look with you tonight and tomorrow night at verses 22 through 25. And we're going to look at verse 22, 23, and 24 tonight. Tomorrow night, we're going to go back over verse 22. And then we're going to look at 25. And what's going on in these few verses, 22 through 25, is James is giving us a comparison and a contrast between two people, okay? It's a person that rejects a Christian principle, what they look like, and a person who embraces a Christian principle and what they look like. Amen. I mean, just, he just lays it out. Now, the Christian principle is given to us in verse 22, and it's surrounding this word, poieo. So we're calling it the poieo principle, okay? In verse 22, we're going to look at this tonight, tomorrow night, kind of rehash it tomorrow night. But let's walk through verse 22, and then we're going to look at the person who re rejects this Christian, fundamental Christian principle in verses 23 and 24. But verse 22, I'm reading out of the NIV. This is how it reads. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, he says. Do what it says. Now, verse 22, he begins, and he says, do not merely listen to the word. Now, the word here for listen He's not suggesting just an audible hearing, okay? This afternoon, uh, I go in there in one of your comfy chairs, and I'm sitting, and I'm studying, and I'm working on some stuff, and, and um, I'm listening for my kids outside, okay? Making sure one's not beating up on the other. Uh, you know, a certain amount of screaming and pain is good because you know they're there. And so, 
I'm listening, okay? I'm making sure that I can hear my kids, okay? It's audible hearing, okay? That's one word for hear in the New Testament. It's used all the time. But that's not the emphasis of this word. This one, he says, do not merely listen to the word. And we're going to get to this passage later on in just actually a few minutes. When Jesus is speaking to the leaders of Israel in John chapter 8, he, he just lays out the gospel to them and says, listen, why can't you hear me? Now, they can hear just fine. It's not like they're sitting there going. You know, it's not that they can't hear him, but they can't hear him. Okay? So hearing is not just this audible hearing. It's the kind of thing where you're listening to somebody and you go, oh, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. And, and this hearing has to do with resonating with you. This is the Christian concept of, of he who hears and believes is saved kind of thing. Okay? Now, typically, hear this, <laughs> hear this. Typically, we would talk about hearing as a good thing, and it is a good thing. I want you to come in here and I want you to hear. And I guess there is a certain amount of um, there's a certain amount of value to have people screaming amen from the crowd. I guess that's better than booze. But you understand, it's got to be more than just amen from the crowd. Okay? In other words, what he's saying is don't merely listen to the word. In other words, and, and actually the word is don't listen alone. Okay? Don't just listen alone. In other words, it's a good thing for you to be sitting here and have your hearts gripped with the message and saying, oh, man, I believe that. He says, don't just, but just don't stop there. Because this is not the kind of thing where you affirm, where you say, yes, where you say, I believe that. Absolutely. Hey, I'm with you. Oh, I believe. Oh, dead on. Okay. I, I hear you. He says, don't merely listen alone and be deceived. Okay. Because just saying a man, just saying absolutely. Hey, dead on. I, I agree with you. You're going to end up deceived. He says, add to that, and, and my translation translates, do what it says. It's actually a translation of two Greek words, okay? It's the, it's the Greek words, genomai and poieo. Now, genomai is the word for become. He says, become what you do, okay? Become one who does the word. Now, the word become that he, or yeah, the word become here that he uses when he says do, okay, that's the actual, that's the word become. It's the word used in Matthew when um, Satan is tempting Jesus. And he tells Jesus, make these stones bread or turn these stones into bread. He's not saying, you know, make them look like bread. You know, you go to your grandma's house and you're like, oh, apple, grab it. And you're like, oh, plastic. Okay, okay. It looks like an apple, but it's not. That's not this word. It literally means become, take these stones, make them become bread. That's the word. Now, so what he's saying is, is don't just hear the word and say, oh, that's true. I know what it says. Hey, I was in quizzing. I can read it. I memorized it. You become that. And again, this is the emphasis. Take this home to the bank. Okay. Not that your home's the bank. Take this and believe it, okay? When you and I look into the scriptures, we don't find out what we have to abide by. We're seeing the person that God wants us to become. It's never bothered me. When I go in 
to churches and meet people who never win anybody to Jesus. It's never bothered me. What bothers me is how in the world could you keep from that? There's this dynamic, and this is just as honest as I can be with you. There's this dynamic when you come into Texas. You meet football fans, okay? And they're psychotic in Texas, if I can just be honest with you, okay? I mean, they, I've met some football fans that are a little scary in Texas, okay? But it's always interesting when I come up to someone and I say, do you, do you, watch, you watch football? Because we're always here during the Super Bowl. And I say, you watch, are, are you a football fan? Are you a football fan? And they say, oh, absolutely. I'm a psycho football fan. Stand back. I get dangerous. And I'm like, wow. So what's your favorite team? And they say, I don't have one. I say, really? You just watch whatever's, watch whatever's on? Oh, no, I don't really catch it that much. Well, you probably only watch the Super Bowl next week. Oh, no, I probably won't watch it. Are you sure you're a fan? I'm a psycho fan, big-time football fan. I'm heavy. I mean, just I'm all into it. But you begin to look at the things that they're... And I look at that person and think, I'm not convinced. Now, translate that over to Christians that I meet. Are you a Christian? Absolutely. Believe in Jesus with all my heart. Oh, big time. Where do you go to church? You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Seriously. Did you read your Bible? No, not really. Talk to anybody? You mentoring anybody? You participating in his kingdom and what his heart is and what he's after? No, not really. Are you sure you're a Christian? Psycho, big time. I'm going to have, don't judge me. And you look at that kind of individual and you go, really? You're serious. Okay. What James says is, listen, don't just hear it and affirm it. Become that. In other words, that's who I am, man. And you can't separate who I am from what I do. If I'm into this, that's what's... And by the way, I can tell what you're into. Seriously. See, I, I, can, I know in, in Indiana, we have these... Uh, in Tennessee, rather, where I live now, we have these really strange individuals. And uh, you can pick them out by their clothing, by the way they talk, by the pictures on their phone. They will get up, you probably don't have them here, but they'll get up at like, I mean, it'll be freezing, below zero. And they'll get up in the morning, they will bundle up, they will sneak outside, uh, hide in bushes and in trees, and they'll, they'll kill stuff. And then they'll climb down, they'll go over to what they killed, and they'll cut it open, and they'll gut it. They'll drag it to their house. They'll pose with it, <laughs> hug it, get pictures with it. Sometimes they'll cut its head off, take it in their house and stick it on the wall. They'll put screensavers on their computers and they'll come up to you and say, hey, I killed something this morning. You want to look at it? I'm like, no, not really. I took pictures of it. I'm, I'm posing with it. I'm like, you're, you're disturbing me. <laughs> eh? You can pick those. What do we call those people? Hunters, okay? Not against hunting, all about it. But you can pick a hunter out a mile away. How come I can't pick out that you're madly in love with Jesus? See, what it, see don't just be a hearer of the word, become a, and he says, doer of the word, okay? Become that kind of a person. Now, 
When we talk about doing Christianity, I want you to go back with me to the book of John. And we're going to begin in chapter uh, 5. We're talking about doing Christianity. And Christianity is not something that you do. Okay? Christian, a Christian is someone that you are. I don't get up in the morning and say, okay, uh, I'm going to be Jeremiah today. I'm going to dress like Jeremiah, talk like Jeremiah, act like... I don't have to do that. I'm just Jeremiah. So as a Christian, I get up and I'm so intimate with him. I'm walking with him. I'm tight with him. I'm caught up into his dream. And I have... Come on. I'm tempted. I have emotions. I have knee-jerk reactions just like you do. But it's like his vision and his perspective is so dominant and plain in my life that anything that doesn't smell of that, I reject it. I mean, seriously, I mean, the lady pulls out in front of me. I want to run her off the road and kill her just like you do, okay? But I don't listen to that because I'm caught up into his perspective of that woman. Are you with me? Okay, I see the same stuff on the television you do. But I'm so, see, when you're walking with him and you're tight with him and you're intimate with him, See, so we're not talking about, I'm a Christian, what do I have to do? That's, that's not the language. In, in, in um, especially John's gospel, there's a couple different words he uses for do. One is the Greek word proso, one is the Greek word poieo. A good way to explain proso would be if you went home tonight, someone said, hey, you're home kind of late Sunday night, what'd you do today? You would say, I went to church. They're not asking why you went to church, what motivated you to go to church. They're just asking you, what did you do? Oh, did this. Uh, that's proso. That's not the language Jesus is going to use when I read it to you. The language he uses is poieo. Now, what's really significant about this term, you can translate it do, and it's a good translation. But I found in their culture, they use the term poieo to describe how trees do fruit. Now, you may think to yourself and say, hold on, Jeremiah. Trees don't really do fruit. They bear fruit. They produce fruit. A tree doesn't get up in spring and go, oh, I got to get that fruit done. I'm just, no, seriously, my mother-in-law was down last week and it's been snowy and cold and I just, I, I got the flu. I'll do the fruit next week. See, that's not how they talk about doing fruit. Because of the nature of the tree, listen to this, listen to this word. Because of the nature of the tree, because of what's going on inside of that tree, who that tree is, you're going to know that tree by its fruit. You're like, hold on, Jesus talked about that all the time. Uh, yeah, a ton. Because that's the message. So you can't look at me and say, oh, I go to church. Why? Because I go to church on Sunday. No, you can go to church on Sunday. And Christians go to church on Sunday. But you can go to church on Sunday and not be a Christian. You're going to know a tree by its fruit. Which means if you go up to an apple tree... And they say, hey, look at me on the peach tree. You're going to be like, dude, you got apples all over you. <laughs> Seriously. And they're going to be like, no, 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 really. I go to church on Sunday. I don't lie. I don't steal. And you're like, uh, whatever, apple tree. Because <laughs> you're an apple tree. You're not a peach tree. This is the language Jesus uses. Now, what's going on in this chapter? He ends up going in. He heals a man that's been crippled for a long period of time. He tells this man to stand up, take his mat, and get out of here. And the man does so. The problem is, is when he picks his mat up and he begins to leave the temple, he walks right into the leaders of Israel who begin to criticize him for carrying his mat, which is a joke in and of itself. They begin to persecute him, press him, and he sells Jesus out saying, listen, it's not my idea. The man who healed me told me to do it. They said, who is it? He says, I'll hang around. I don't know, and I'll find him. 
I will find him. Don't know who he is, but I'll find him. Come back and tell you. He finds out that it's Jesus, goes back to the leaders of Israel, sells Jesus out, and they begin to persecute him. We pick up the persecution in verse uh, 16, where it tells us because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, they persecuted him. And Jesus comes out with this, remember this phrase, because we're going to come back to it in chapter 8 in a second. Jesus says, my father is always working. This very day, I too am working. Well, now they're not only, he's not only doing things on the Sabbath he shouldn't do, he's calling God Father, way too intimate, way too personal, way too akin, and now they're going to kill him. Jesus says, listen, don't kill me. Let me give you an explanation for what I've done. And he says in verse 19, I tell you the truth. Here's our word, poyo. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Now, you don't, don't look at that and say, well, you want to know why I heal on the Sabbath? Well, my dad does that. If it's good enough for my dad, it's good enough for me. That's not how Christians talk. Why do you go to church on Sunday? Well, bless God, we've always went to church on Sunday. Jesus doesn't, you can talk like that if you want to, okay? Jesus doesn't talk like that. See, Jesus says, you want to know why I healed that man on the Sabbath? Whatever my father does, translation, whatever's going on inside of my dad, that makes him do what he does. That's what's going on inside of me that makes me do what I do. Because how he sees, I see. How he feels, I feel. In fact, if you want to know what he looks like, you want to know how he feels about blind men laying on their mat for their whole entire life. He says, I came into the temple and I just couldn't help myself. I got absolutely overwhelmed with how my father sees this guy and feels about this guy. And the next thing you know, I'm walking up saying, get up. What's going on in dad's going on in me. Amen. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Now, this becomes such a resounding message, a consistent in your face, never getting off of this kind of truth. He, he tells everywhere. They begin to persecute him more and more and more and more. By the time you come to chapter eight, flip over a couple chapters. The leaders of Israel become what I, what I would call political. Um, what I mean by political, I, I, I can't stand. I'm not Democrat. I'm not Republican. I'm not independent. I'm getting to the point where I can't stand any politicians. Unless you're a politician, then I like you. But other than you, <laughs> I don't like politicians. One of the guys that I think I would vote for this next time, people are saying he would never win. And when I question why, he's not political enough. He's not going to look at you and say one thing and mean another. I hate that. I hate politics. Can't stand that. Now, the New Testament doesn't use the word political. They use the term uh, hi hypocrite. And just so you know what hypocrite means, the word hypocrite, go home and Google this, by the way. Open up your app phone, your iPhone, write it in there, hypocrite. I'm going to go home and Google this, find out what it means. In their day and age, a hypocrite was a professional actor. <laughs> Hollywood. Seriously, it really was. It was a professional actor. And so Jesus comes into, the leaders, comes into, uh, into Jerusalem and he tells his disciples, oh, look, hey, Hollywood. Hey, there's Brad Pitt right there. Hey. Because they act. They're fake. They're liars. They're politicians. That's what they are. 
They're political. I'm going to tell you one thing, and there's an angle in it because I really want to accomplish this. Don't really care about this, but I want, and that's how they operate. So by the time you come to chapter 8, they, they are gonna, they're, gonna, they're doing everything they can. In fact, they're going to kill him in a few chapters. But they can't stand him. And they, listen to this. They can't stand the language he's using. Because he keeps talking about God, not as this formal figure. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Are you, are you live with me? I, I want this for you. Seriously. I don't have a problem with cowboy church and cowboys wearing their hats in the sanctuary. Because <laughs> I wear my hat in the sanctuary before you'd wear your hat in the sanctuary. And in a very real way, and I, again, I, I, it's not disrespectful kind of thing. It's intimacy. It's father-son. My son does not come in the bedroom and stand there and say, Father, may I speak to you? He walks in while I'm still asleep. He rips the covers back, crawls in, snuggles up next to me and says, Good morning, Dad. That's how he talks. And if you have another version, I'm fine with it. But that's not how he talks. In fact, when they criticize him, he says, you know, my dad, my dad. And they begin to harp on that. Well, what, if, what they find is, is the whole nation of Israel is picking up on this and they love it. So they play politics and they begin to use that language for their own gain. In fact, they criticize Jesus saying that he, he's from, a, they don't even know who his father is, that he's an illegitimate son. Of course, they've heard about the virgin birth. Yeah, they believe that one. And they come down in verse 39 of chapter 8. Here's what we're getting at. And they say, Abraham is our father. Don't know who your father is, but Abraham is our father. And Jesus says, really? Like, that's your story. And this is what he says. Listen to how, listen, it's no wonder they want to kill him. Listen to this. Jesus says in 39, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do, guess what word that is? Then you would poieto the things Abraham poietoed. In other words, Abraham's your dad. That's your story. See, if you were Abraham's children, what was going on in Abraham would be going on inside of you. Amen. Listen to what he says, verse 40. As it is, you're determined to kill me. A man has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. See, what's going on inside of you is not going on in Abraham. And what's going on in Abraham is not going on inside of you. He goes on in verse 41 and he says, You are poietoing the things your own father poietos. You do have a father. And what's going on in him is going on inside of you. You're like, hold on. Who's Jesus? Jesus, don't say it. Don't say it. Seriously, don't say it. You go down a few verses into verse 44, and he says, you belong to your father, the devil. <laughs> Why were they wanting to kill him again? That's, that's the word of James. I mean, do you see how aggressive that is? It's not just activities. Just get a hold of it. It's not just activities. How come you don't burn with passion like he, oh, I'm a Christian. Are you sure? I'm a psychotic Dallas Fan, are you sure? Because you don't convince me at all. Oh, I'm a Christian. Love you. Want to go to heaven? I don't think so. Because everything he's into, you're not into, or you'd be doing those things. Amen. It's like a guy saying, I'm, an, I'm a drug addict. Really? When's the last time you got high? Oh, it's been 30 years. <laughs> Never go to the bar? I don't think you're a drug addict anymore, man. 
I'm a Jesus addict, but I don't go to church, and I'm not passionate about what he's passionate about, and I don't witness, and I haven't told him. In fact, no one even knows, and I'm just not convinced. Jesus, James is writing, and he's, he's writing to the global church of his day, and he says, listen, don't just sit there and say, yeah, I agree with that. Oh, absolutely. Hey, I, yeah, that's why I go to this church. That's what we believe. Not like those other, you know, yahoos down the road. Hey, I believe what we're talking about. He says, that's great for that to resonate with you. But don't just let it resonate with you. Become that kind of individual, which means you and I sit here and say, Jesus, I give you permission to do whatever you have to do in my life until I, until I feel that way. Seriously. Give me a heart. Give me a passion. Burn within me. This, this is what I want to be about. I want to be turned on about this. I want to be addicted to this. That's the, that's the Christian principle he's talking about. Now, <laughs> are you ready for this? Okay, you asked for it. All right. Verse 23. James says, let me show you the person who rejects this principle. All right, verse 23. He says, anyone, and basically the beginning of verse 23 is he reiterates. Verse 22. Says the same thing he just said. Anyone who listens, that's, remember we we'd studied that, resonates, okay, who listens to the word but does not Poieo, not, not, does not genomai poieo. This man is like. The word here, like, is used in several passages in, in, the, in the Gospels, in Matthew 13, uh, where Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is. Okay, it, it's a word that says, Let me describe this. And he gives you a parable. That's this word. James says, The person who hears sits in a service, hears the word, but does not say, I want to be that kind of an individual. Let me show you what that person's like. That person is like a man. <laughs> Listen to this. Try to keep myself together. He's like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. Let me break this down for you. There's a couple different Greek words for you. In fact, there's three or four different Greek words, three primarily that are used in the New Testament for look. One Greek word for look is the Greek word for physical sight. It's actually used, uh, the, this word I'm about to tell you and the word in the passage is used in Acts chapter 7 when Luke is describing how Moses in the wilderness walks up upon this burning bush and he sees it. That's one word for look. He looked and saw the bush and he thought, hey, forest fire, better go put that out. And then it says in the passage, he goes a little bit further and he looks more intently. That's the word right here. It literally means in the original language to take your head and tilt it sideways. It means to study. So the man who's looking in the mirror is not just looking in the mirror. He looks in the mirror and goes, that's a word. Now, in, in the NIV it says it's a man who looks and studies. It says his face in the mirror. But there's a word that's left out here, and it's the, way, it's the same word we would translate it origin or genealogy. It's used in Matthew 1.1 when he's describing, Matthew's describing Jesus and he gives his genealogy. It gives the origin of literally the whole deal of how he became human. The purpose of his life, why he was born, that God had been prophesying and talking about it over literally 4,000 years. That this, he gives his origin, he gives his genealogy, that's his word. So this man, hear this, this man is like an individual who hears the word in a service like this and says, listen, I don't want to be like that. James says, let me tell you what that kind of person's like. Eyes up here. That person is like a man who looks in the mirror and studies 
intensely, not just his face, but the face of his origin. It's like he's sitting there in that service and he knows why he's been born. It dawns on him. I've been in services. <laughs> Seriously, I wish I could show you in services. There's a variety of things that you do. Some of it gross me out. Okay? Because you don't realize that I'm like looking at you while you're picking and scratching and all that stuff. Okay? I can actually see you. But it's also interesting, once in a while when you're preaching, you look out and you see someone going. And they look at their wife. And you can almost, you can almost, you know, see what he's saying. He's so shocked. Did you tell him? It was pastor. We respond two ways about that. Number one, <laughs> that you're really not that important for me to revolve an entire service around. Okay. That's number one. And number two, it's God speaking to you. And I've seen people out there that sit in the congregation and it's like God has got their number and they're going, what's going on in them? They're seeing the face of their origin. In fact, I've watched people walk out of services and go, God was talking to me. Yeah, it was a pretty, no, 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 no. You understand. It's like I was the only one in the room. I mean, people came and they were blessed, but I was supposed to be, this night was for me. That's what he's talking about. Okay. It's like a man. Let me tell you, the person who hears the truth of God's word, okay, and it resonates with them. And yet they don't say, I want to become that kind of person. Not, okay, I'm going to try to implement that in my life. I'll try to volunteer more. No, 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 no. If that person doesn't say, I want to be that kind of person, he's like the person who sees the face of his origin. He literally sees the point of his entire existence. One more thing. This happened to me in 1995. I grew up with the name Jeremiah, hating it because of a band named Three Dog Night, which we're not going to talk about tonight. <laughs> everyone knew that song and everyone pestered me about it. Later on in life, in 1995, I get saved. Open up the Bible and an overwhelmingly shocked that my name is in there. Couldn't believe it. There's a book in there with my name on it. Open it up and begin to read it. God comes to this junior, wet behind the ears. He's so green, you could tie him as a pretzel. And says, I'm calling you to be my prophet. Oh, amen. And Jeremiah says, dude, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> now, don't take this out of fairy tale land scripture. And you're a student at seminary. And God comes to you and says, I want you to walk up in the middle of your board of directors meeting and I've got a word I want to speak to you through that group. You're going to go, uh, no. They're going to throw me out of school. They're never going to believe. That's what Jeremiah felt. Come on, that's what Jeremiah felt. And God says, let me tell you a little something. Before you were born, I knew you. In fact, I appointed you for this hour. The reason you existed, I sat back here and I weave things together so that at this very point in time, you would open up your mouth and I would speak. I appointed you a herald. In 1995, I read that, and that resonated with me to such an extent that it jarred my entire life. And I said, I want to be that kind. I want to be who you want me to be. Amen. I want your plan and your future and your, I'm not playing church anymore. Amen. Seriously, I'm not going to just come to church and be the good little Christian guy. And hang out and, hey, I'm here every Sunday and I don't lie, drink, steal, chew. I, I, I'm just going to be, 
It was more than that. I want to be your mouthpiece. I want to be your literal physical representation in this world. Okay? That's what he's talking about. The man looks in the mirror and sees his very existence. Here's what that person is like. Listen to what he says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not become that is like a man who looks at the face of his existence in a mirror and after having looked at himself, experiencing that, goes away. That word goes away. <laughs> this is aggressive. It's used, it's, it's used in a way. This word is so strong. It's used in a way to kind of lead the audience to say, no. It's the kind of thing where like you're watching The Notebook and she's going to walk out of his life and the crowd's going, are you serious? Turn around! <laughs> He's made for you! That kind, that, it's, it's to invoke that kind of response. In fact, this word is used in Jude, one chapter, the book of Jude, one chapter. It's used in verse 7 when Jude is saying that the men of Sodom and Gomorrah went away from natural relationship with women and pursued unnatural with men. And he uses that verb, he uses that language to invoke this kind of thing where the audience would go, no, come on, no, that's, I'm, no way. That's what he's trying to invoke. This man looks at the face of his origin and you just don't walk away from that. You know what the old timers told me? I've never seen this. But the old timers told me that in services there would be individuals who would hear the message. They're undergoing this kind of spiritual trauma and they would literally, in resisting, they would grip the back of the pew and they would... You told me that. And they would fight it. Because you just don't walk away from that. You just don't simply say, nah. You have to tear yourself away. That person goes away and it says, immediately forgets. This word forget is the word that Paul, it's not like, what was my face like? It's the word that Paul uses when he says, I forget what was behind and I embrace what was ahead. This man, after seeing the face of his origin, tears himself away and says, I don't want that. If Jesus is speaking to you tonight, and your whole system is, is hammering, and you're sitting there going, he's talking to me, you can embrace it. Or you can tear yourself away from who you've been called to be and just say, I'm not interested. I'm interested in playing church. You wouldn't do that, would you? Tomorrow night we're going to look at James when he describes the person who embraces it. But I, I want to ask you tonight. You, the whole thing is about, if I could just be as honest as I can, this... The whole Christian gig, what this is really about is not, I'm convinced it's not about the lack of foul language or the squeaky clean morality that I maintain. There's a place for that, but it's, I've got this addiction inside of me. I give this illustration to teens. You do not be quick to judge any addict, whether a sex addict, whether an alcohol addict, drug addict, whatever. Because every one of us who've ever been born was created to be an addict. 
God says he created man out of the dust of the earth, breathed in him the breath of life, and the man became a living, and the Hebrew word is nephesh. Okay? We're a, a dichotomy. Flesh, spirit, and we become a living being. The word nephesh in, the, in, in English is translated from the Hebrew being. It's interesting, the word nephesh throughout Scripture most of the time is not translated being, it's translated thirst. You're like, really? God creating me to be a living thirst? Yes. You've just been drinking the wrong thing your whole life. You're no more evil than anybody else. You're always going to be an addict. See, what we oftentimes want to do in the world, we want to stop being addicted to this, but if you're not addicted to Jesus, you're going to be addicted to something. I'm still an addict. I'm just addicted to him, man. Seriously. You're either going to be addicted to money. You're either going to be addicted to men. You're going to be addicted to power. You're going to be addicted to women. You're going to be addicted. You're going to be addicted to something. And he's speaking to you tonight. And he's not just, I'm not cracking a whip saying you need to be more faithful. You need to give more. You need to volunteer more at church. I mean, come on. If that's the, I would drop it. My version of hell is to live your entire life obeying the laws of the church that you really don't want to do in order to get to heaven. That's hell. Oh, wow. Seriously, that's hell. Have mercy. So why do you go to church? Well, I don't really want to, but I don't want to go to hell, so I go. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I have to be faithful here, and I can't lie, and I can't steal. I can't tell that guy what I really think of him. But I don't, I don't do it. The bad thing is, is one day you're going to go and be judged and go to hell anyway. And you're going to be like, I should have told him what I thought about him. Because Christianity is not just about doing the right thing. Christianity is about seeing that guy the way he sees him. Amen. Feeling about that guy the way he feels about him. Hallelujah. Passionate about the things that he's passionate about. Amen. That's the message. Brenda, is that her name? Who plays the piano around here? Margaret. Margaret. That was way off. Where are you at, Margaret? Would you come? We're going to have just a soft music in the background two hands last thing two hands on one hand I'm gonna tell you no pressure and don't get mad hear me out Christianity may not be for you or maybe there's another definition you heard you like better this is the only thing I'm finding It's the only definition I know you'd say you shouldn't say that I didn't. Jesus did. Jesus said, count the cost. See, no one goes to war without calculating the cost of that war. Hey, I want to be your disciple. Are you sure? Go and sell everything you have. Well, I can't. My dad's about ready to die. Let the dead bury their own dead. What are you talking about? This is addict stuff. This is messy, addictive I, I, jarring life transformation I'm going to be a different person after tonight's stuff that's what I'm talking about so on one hand no pressure but on the other hand <laughs> embrace him embrace him if he's speaking to you just embrace, just embrace him I heard an old-timer tell me, he, and again, old-timers are wonderful. 
He said, he'll change your likes into dislikes and your dislikes into likes. The stuff you used to hate, you'll find yourself loving. The stuff you love, you'll find yourself hating. The things used to get you excited, they just don't cut it anymore. And the things that were such a drag, you find yourself just drooling over. Would you just, if he's speaking to you tonight, would you just kneel before him and say, Jesus, I've seen the face of my origin tonight. I want to be passionate about what you're passionate about. I want to hunger after what you're hungering for. I want to be moved by what moves you. I want to be a Christian. I don't want to just do it. I don't want to, I don't want to be an obedience thing anymore. I want to feel. I don't want to just not murder. I don't want to hate. I just don't want to steal. I don't want to covet. Serious? I want to be that, man. That's what, I, that's what I want. Jesus, we love you tonight. And we thank you for the truth of your word. Church, they're not evil, they're not bad.